Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to let you know, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It ups a ton with visibility, gets the show out there on their store. Share this with your friends wherever you found it. Subscribe wherever you found it, whether it's the new Google Podcast Player, whether it's a Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. We just restarted the process to get us on Spotify, so if you're like me and like to have everything all in one place, we'll soon be on Spotify as well, so you can subscribe, share it wherever you found it. Another thing I'd love to talk to you about is just a cool opportunity, our podcast podcast host Podient is offering all of our listeners. If you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, Podient is a great way to do that. They've got really easy analytics, really easy ways for you to link. That's actually how I'm restarting this whole Spotify process. It was literally, I read a thing, I checked a box, I hit a button, and it sent my feed out to Spotify. So uh, we should be hearing back from them soon. So if you would ever think about starting a podcast, we've got an offer for you. All of our listeners have the opportunity to get a 14-day free trial of their premium services and then after that 14 day free trial is up you can get 25% off your first three months of that premium membership and again they handle all the feeds they handle all the analytics they do all of the hard stuff that's on the back end of podcasting all you have to do is sign up using the offer code longhorn that's l-o-n-g-h-o-r-n if you're listening to the show and don't know how to spell longhorn l-o-n-g-h-o-r-n that's podient p-o-d-i-a-n-t dot c-o again you get a 25% off premium membership for your first three months well my name is gerald goodrich i'm your host this week like I am every week. And I'm joined by my good friend, the illest, the realist, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you, bud? You know, I'm doing okay. It's, I think, 118 degrees um, at the time we're recording this because the sun has said it was a balmy 165 today. So I hope everyone's drinking some water, keeping that uh, that urine at championship levels. Um, also uh, feeling great as the my hometown San Antonio Spurs, our hometown San Antonio Spurs, finally recouped the $50 million that was just um, rehabbing last year. See you later, Kawhi. Welcome to Mar. Um, and also, you know, a, a pretty good week on the Twitter machine where uh, I believe we resuscitated or, or the, the Longhorn Republic Twitter resuscitated a long dormant um, Chuck effing strong as his name is on twitter who is the great great parody of our former great coach um who threatened to choke slam us so always a good week when a parody twitter account offers you um a wwe move um you know things are going well that was his signature tweet for stuff he didn't like so we <laughs> we brought chuck effing strong out of retirement that's actually the twitter handle uh one of my favorite uh I'm not big on the weird fake coach, the jive Kevin Sumlin thing that's happening out there, but but Chuck Effin Strong was probably one of the earlier ones I've seen uh, right there with, Gary, with faux Gary Patterson and faux Pellini. I think faux Pellini's probably the, the OG and I love faux Pellini. Anywho, uh, so we've got a good show for you. We've got some news for you, obviously. Uh, baseball news, basketball news, surprisingly, even though it is late July. And we've obviously got some watch list news, which is always my favorite thing to talk about. Uh, and then we've also got our West Virginia preview, which we're excited to bring you. And obviously, we'll close the show out with some bang the drum. So, 
we'll just we'll get the stuff I don't like out of the way first. Let's just let's just rip that bandaid off. Uh, got some watch list names announced this week for some Texas players, which it's nice to see these things happening finally. Even though most of these lists have anywhere between twenty and ninety three people on them, it feels like. Uh, <laughs> so we had Breck Hager and Gary Johnson named to the Bednarik Award watch list. Colin Johnson. For the Bolitnikov. Come on, Kojo. You can do it, man. Uh, and then yep. Andrew Beck on the Mackey Award watch list, which is for the uh, top tight end of the country. So let's not break down their chances of winning these awards because that's a yeah. dumb thing to do. But yeah. what does it do for your hopes, feelings, dreams of this football season to see Texas players finally starting to get a little bit more national recognition for what they can do on the field? Only through this do I find validation. No, um, <laughs> honestly, it, you're right. It's, you shouldn't play or pay too much attention to this, but it's good. It's good to see. Um, this is the sign of a healthy program. You have elite players um, who you know are, are being recognized and have the potential to have elite seasons, and you know they have to go and do it on the field. Um, I think when we talked about maybe some snubs on the preseason Big 12 list. Uh, these are all a couple of guys who I mentioned and who we talked about. I think Colin Johnson has the potential to be, you know, an all Big 12 receiver and be able to knock off finalists if he plays, you know, all the way up to where we know he can. Um, I think Andrew Beck is a high character guy who has a potential to be a high production guy. He's very, very good. He's been a leader on this team, and I'm, I'm excited to see him on the field. And then Gary Johnson is a guy who, uh, who I think we both, uh, I was talking about Wheeler's uh, muscles, but I think Gary Johnson and, and his uh, his game as well. Um, both of those guys have a chance to be you know to be very good. But but uh, congrats to all uh, all four or five of these guys for for getting those nominations. And we've had some others we've talked about uh, coaching staff getting that. I mean I think Orlando would probably be a Broyles Award finalist um, again this year if everything goes to plan. So I mean there is uh, there's talent here in Austin and that's exciting. Now it's about taking that and and turning it into results. Yeah, and that's that's kind of been the story for what <laughs> the better part of a decade at this point. Sure, uh, sure. Since since Colt McCoy uh, left the left the program, maybe that last va- uh, bastion of of greatness. No, so yeah, I think the the players getting these these awards. I hope uh, they take it as some inspiration to to have those big uh, those big years. So a bit of a bit of sad news. Um, you know, a guy that Texas fans were excited about. Um, transferred in Juco transfer Mikey Grandy uh, was medically disqualified from football this past week uh, after suffering a concussion uh, in spring practice hadn't been able to recover they're kind of doing their pre-fall evaluations and it was determined that it is not smart for that young man to come back uh, and play more football especially on the offensive line so uh, you know one there are millions of things more important than the game of football take care of your health uh the texas uh, university of texas is going to honor his scholarship for the next two years and he will be able to go to school uh free of charge because that was the agreement which is just a cool thing to do um the, on the football side of things you know there it, it's tough to shift that but it hurts the the depth so kyle what does that do to your you know the offensive line was much maligned a year ago probably deservedly so and and grandy looked to be one of those guys that may be able to shore it up so so what are you what are you thinking about a position that was was kind of paper thin a year ago and now is already even before the pads are on even thinner man you know it's uh it's tough i feel for the kid i i i'm you know there's a couple perspectives to look at uh from a from a personal perspective, you know, I, I wish him all the best. Um, 
it's a violent game and, and you, like you said your health is most important that will always be the position that this podcast and the two of us on take is that you have to look out for yourself this is a uh, a child's game that we get to we get to watch and play and, and talk about and, and you know be entertained by but at the end of the day there's things that happen outside of just what's you know with the, the pads and helmet and, and and same for all of our sports but uh, at the end of the day you know for him, wish him the best, and it is going to be unfortunate uh, for his career and also just for the Longhorns. So from a football perspective, it's tough. Um, I think he was a guy who's going to come in and play. I mean, we had Calvin Anderson, like, boom, that's another guy who's going to be starting. We had, you know, we had basically, oh, another lock starter right here or very good chance that he was coming and competing with the ones from day one. So it's, it's tough. Um, I think the coaching staff did a great job of finding areas of need filling them and I think he was one of the success stories they got him along with Anderson to come in and really revamp this line um, it reminds me I actually had um, you know a decent relationship with Matt Nader who who was uh, um, you know a freshman coming in when when I was uh, when I was an RA and he uh, he didn't live on my, my floor um, but his girlfriend did he was dating one of the Nash sisters and uh, and he <laughs> would he would be on my floor all the time and he's this big giant hulking of a man I think he was like a five-star offensive line recruit out of Westlake or at least a four-star just really had a promising career he ended up having um kind of the the chest pain and I remember talking to him a little bit about it and just you know the same thing where he said UT has been so uh gracious to me and you know he ended up I think getting into the program in like a coaching capacity um over his years on campus I I was kind of lost touch with him but um it's great to see a program obviously honor that and and hopefully he still feels like a part of the Longhorn family even if he didn't get to play football here um you know you're a Longhorn for life so I you know in that sense I I hope we can replace the production on the field um but I hope you know if he's a sharp kid that he can contribute in that that room because I think the offensive line is going to be um a front and center piece that you and I and everyone in the country probably is watching for this Texas team because I think a lot of our success um this season will hinge on, on that unit so you know, one less asset, um, but you know, as has been the the rally cry for that group for a while, is you know, take a blow and, and rally and recover from it. So I'll be curious to see uh, how they do. And for again, like you said, like I said off top, there are millions of things more important than football. So that is that is uh, the most important thing that that they caught it without it becoming uh, something worse than it than it possibly could have been. Uh, so this was the week of of Big Twelve Media Days. They happened early this week. One of the parts of Big 12 Media Days is that we get a media guide. And in said media guide, incoming freshman Deshaun Jameson, who is a burner, he was recruited as an athlete, uh, great pickup for Texas, uh, anticipated that he was going to play a bit of cornerback this year. He is listed in the media guide as a wide receiver. On Twitter, he was asked and confirmed that he is playing wide receiver and will be playing or at least working out at slot receiver. He will also be working out at cornerback as well because they brought him in to do that initially so having a, a guy like this at wide receiver and at slot for texas um, at, a, at the probably the position in the passing game that's the most unsettled you mm-hmm. know what what does that do um, and how do you how do you react to seeing going into fall a guy who was expected to be on the defensive side of the ball now having to come over to offense uh, and fill a spot that that is vital to the success of this offense well i think it's interesting right our defense obviously carried us last year so um i don't think it's it's you know any stretch to say there was a bit of a talent gap and and just the recruiting class was so unbelievably heavy on the defensive side of the ball especially in the backfield I think we're going to see lots of those guys and I don't think that means Deshaun Jameson doesn't play a down of defense 
on the 40 acres in his time here. I don't think that at all. Um, I think he's a guy who probably this season more than others, if Texas can fill that and some guys can step into that, because I think there's there's potential talent to fill that spot besides Jamison. Um, I think a, a guy who, who we both like and, and hope for more for, and we talked in our Baylor interview a while back um, about is, is DuVernay and, and just, you know, if Hurd plays in there, but there's a lot of talent in the receiving core, that slot position, the way that Herman and Beck offense really likes to run, though, is looking for kind of that shiftiness, that explosiveness, that quickness. So if Jamison comes in in day one, he's the guy to do that, then, then yeah, maybe he's a receiver uh, his, his whole career. But I think the guy is, is an athlete. He's going to see the field. He might return kicks. He might play receiver. He might play defense. He might be a covering kicks. Like he's, you know, I've always said get your best guys on the field and let them play. Most of these kids played multiple positions in high school because, you know, even though the game's changing from when we played it, you still have your best guys go out and get on the field at that level as much as you can. Um, you know, I think we have some of our defensive backs who are running backs, and, you know, who knows if you see a package where some of these guys get like that. But, um, again, I don't think it's like, oh, that's that's the end for him. I just think, hey, you know, there's a need there. He may not even win the spot, but he has a chance to compete at it, um, and he's going to be one of the guys in the mix, and why not? If that's a position of need, if our offense is dire um, where it was last year, get more guys who can do things with the ball in their hands and uh, and throw them out there and, you know, see what sticks. First, I think it, it shows you a little bit of the of the vacuum that Reggie Hempel maps weird decision leaves sure. on this offense. Is you have a guy that's slated to be a star he was a great player for Texas, led them in receiving on a couple of different occasions a year ago. Uh, so that just leaves a vacuum there, and they're still trying to fill it. Now, again, I think you said it best, like you put your best players on the field and you put the guys in positions to help you win early, and that's what Texas needs. I think that's been uh, an apprehension in a lot of places is uh, – is not getting those guys out there early. And I think that's one of the great things that, you know, it, honestly, it started under Charlie Strong kind of out of necessity, but continued under Tom Herman is that the best guys are going to be on the field regardless of age, whether they are a freshman or a redshirt senior, fifth-year senior. Like, we need to get the guy, the best guys on the field in order to win the football game. So I think uh, it's good that they're doing that and shifting in that direction. To another thing that came out of media days, uh, this was an interesting story that I think maybe got a bit blown out of proportion but we'll talk about it anyways because content right so uh <laughs> the it was from kirk bowles a question from kirk bowles and, and he asked, uh-huh. uh, asked tom herman was asked um you know about elite talent on the on the team who are the elite guys and, and herman kind of made some weird faces and had an awkward pause uh, i think fox sports set it to some awkward horror mo- movie music so they did that uh and when when he kind of settled on an answer he said you know we've got a few guys more on defense than on offense um i guess for for you kyle who are and who would be the elite guys that that Herman is is alluding to? And guy, I guess we'll we'll do our Texas preview here in about a month. But kind of who are the guys that you think would, are the guys that can take Texas to the next level on on this uh, team heading into uh, a I want to say a pivotal season, even though uh, it feels like all seasons are pivotal, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think I think first of all, that's a loaded question. That's a tough question to answer. Um, how many elite guys like what are you supposed to say 22 we put 24 because our kickers and special teams as we saw last year are elite too you know like how do you answer that like you say all these guys could be elite we'll see what they do on the do you coach speak it um i think he was honest and he said we've got some guys we got a few guys um i think that's true of any team i think even on an alabama national championship team there's probably 
you know, six to 10 elite guys who are going to go play and really contribute and make a big impact um, on, you know, on a Sunday. So, um, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with his answer. I think it was a little awkward with the pause and, and, you know, it made for clicks and content and I get it. Um, If you're asking me, uh, I really think that Chris Boyd is an elite guy. I just, I feel a lot for him that he, uh, he has a chance to, to, he made a step at the end of last year with Holton Hill out. And I think he has a chance to really be the kind of the, the old dog, uh, as it were in that, in that defensive backs room with some young pups, um, and really kind of steer that group into being elite. I think, I think basically every single one of those young defensive backs are, uh, potential to be elite and to be Sunday guys, um, without a doubt. Like I think that could be deep, D-back you, you know, DBU uh, again like it was. Um, so I think you have some talent there. I, I think Brandon Jones needs to show me some more, but um, has that potential for sure. A guy who we didn't talk about, but I'm sure we'll talk in our previews, I think Amenahu um, has a chance to to be elite for sure. Um, I, you know, I think him coming coming this year with, with a chip on his shoulder and ready to prove he's an NFL player um, is going to be a big storyline. And then Chris Nelson, how he can fill the Puna um, gap if he can do that well and he's got the size to do it, that he could turn him himself into uh, a potentially elite and then I think both of our linebackers Wheeler and in Johnson have that chance um so I just named basically the whole defense sorry um I, I I do think Colin Johnson has the tools to do it I think I really love little Jordan Humphrey I think um I can't wait to see his game continue to develop um and then you know we'll, we'll see if Calvin Anderson is is one of those guys but I think all of his thought process and decision making and the things he's saying even um, up to this point, you know, seem like a guy who's, who's preparing himself to play on Sunday. So, um, you know, I think there's a handful of those guys for sure. And there's always a guy who makes a leap, you know, I think uh, John Harris and just got, I mean, not that he is playing in the NFL, but just all of a sudden on out of nowhere seemed to be, you know, a thousand yard receiver. So those guys can step out of the woods too. Um, so I think there's probably, you know, if you asked me this question and I was on the spot, I'd say there's six to ten of those guys, which to me isn't an insult. That's a good, good college football team. Yeah, and one is a bad question. I'll just say say that right there. But um, I think there are guys with the potential to be elite. We've seen it. I mean, even a guy like, like Shane Bouchelle has the potential to sure. be elite. When he had an offensive line that was putting up numbers and a running back that actually uh, warranted a defense's attention, he put up all-time numbers. He is on the school's all-time passing list. So there are guys that have potential to be great, but they have to be able to put it all together. And I think that's that's a big that's the big storyline is can they string together what they need to string together to get to that elite level? Because that's what it's going to take. Because as much as they hate to say it, OU's probably not going to take that big of a step back. And you'll hear a little bit more about it in, in a few moments. But West Virginia, still a really good football team. And TCU, still a really good football team. So there are a lot of really good football teams. And, and these guys have to be able to put it all together. You know, I think like you mentioned him, a guy like Calvin Anderson, who has NFL goals and aspirations. That's why he left Rice early and, and came to, to Austin. I think if a guy like that can elevate that entire room, I'm a big believer that the, you know, the rising tide raises all boats. You get a guy with NFL caliber mindset. Uh, NFL caliber work work ethic and the guy next to him Patrick Vahe probably steps up his game and the guy next to Vahe steps up his game and the guy who was going to be grandy and not grandy anymore is going to step up his game so I think that's going to continue to happen and again if they can string it all together then this team has a really good opportunity to have a good group of elite guys they've got the talent that's never been the argument at Texas they've got the talent whether it was Mac Brown's last few years whether it was 
Charlie Strong's entire tenure or whether it's been this last season. The talent is there. It's the, it's the ability to tie it all together and put something on the field that's worth a darn. So shifting from football, we're, I got some baseball news. It, this is, it's the bad penny. Baseball, it just keeps sticking around. Cannot <laughs> get rid of it. So uh, a guy that Kyle and I have gone on record for, Cody Clemens, big fans, uh, has been nominated for Big 12 Athlete of the Year. Not not baseball player, not Big 12 Baseball Player of the Year, Athlete of the Year. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Big 12 Athlete of the Year. So, Kyle, we've, we've talked about uh, this season and, and kind of what it has done for the status, I guess, of Texas baseball and the future of Texas baseball, the trajectory is probably the right word of Texas baseball. What is, what is a guy like Cody Clemens who had maybe one of the biggest, I don't want to call it a turnaround season, but improvement seasons that I can remember in recent memory. What is, how does this validate that? What kind of validation does this give to that? And and again, the direction and trajectory of this Texas program. Well, I think it's pretty interesting because um, I think obviously his biggest uh, challenger for this is going to be Baker Mayfield, who won a Heisman. So that's tough. Um, If he, if he beats Baker, then uh, we'll we'll count that as a victory in the, in this year's Texas OU Red River uh, rivalry. But um but yeah, I mean, Cody Clemens had an all-time year. Cody Clemens is a guy who I think is going to have a great career, and I, I'm really rooting for all the way. Um, I hope we get one of these every week so I can go over the fact, you know, and just re- reread his credentials. Um, but no, I mean, homers, RBIs, batting average. We, we know the story by this point. He's great. Um, I, I really do hope he wins it, but I, I mean, I think if he comes second place to the, the Heisman winner who, you know, propelled a, a team that's similar trajectory, I think, of, of Cody Clemens, who was a guy who really, you know, you think about the value, you know, wins over replacement stat that's used in baseball i think each of those guys add like 30 to 50 percent um just you know to their team and and really propelled them forward so um tough competition but i just wanted to shout out also bianca tarati um the tennis player was nominated for the female athlete of the year for big 12 um she was a a singles all-american and and the big 12 tennis player of the year and i think a top three nationally ranked so um you know just uh, another great athlete and and we should continue to shout them out because texas is chock full of them and this is and just a Texas football podcast. We celebrate all the sports that the Longhorns do. And, and so congratulations to both of them. I think this week that's announced. So we'll see if either one of those two uh, are, are the winners. So we'll have more baseball news for you possibly next week. Be excited <laughs> for that. Uh, yeah. Last but certainly not least, uh, we've got some news about Texas basketball. Their, their non-conference schedule continues to uh, – to amaze, to to get better and better. So it was announced this week that Texas will be taking on the North Carolina Tar Heels in the Continental Tire Invitational Thanksgiving Day in Las Vegas. Now, um, Kyle has some thoughts and some throwback uh, stats about this, but uh, it's worth noting that Texas football will not be playing Thanksgiving Day. They'll be playing the day after uh, at the Kansas Jayhawks, much to the chagrin. We've talked about this before. Uh, just schedule AM. Just do it. It's ugh, just do schedule the darn game. So uh, Texas football <laughs> will not be playing on that day. They'll be playing again at Kansas on Black Friday, hopefully tying together a good season and a great run at the conference, maybe even setting themselves up for a Big 12 championship game berth. Anywho, so Kyle, Viva Las Vegas, man. It's exciting to see Texas getting more and more of these marquee matchups. Yeah, I mean, it's about time. You, you think about it. For me, growing up, every Thanksgiving, sitting around the table with with um, 
all the things you love and in front of you, you know, stacked up, piled high. I'm, of course, talking about chips on the blackjack table. Um, But no, I mean, Thanksgiving in Vegas. Wow. I hope someone makes the trip out there. Um, Hopefully lots of Horns fans do. Never done that one. Might be weird, but uh, might be awesome. Uh, I can only imagine the buffet at the uh, at the. I don't know, pick yours, Aria. Uh, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, uh, this is a cool thing. It's great, like you said, marquee matchups. Texas hasn't actually played in Vegas since uh, 2001 when they had a uh, 87 to 78 win over the UNLV. Not the running Rebs, but still, I think the Rebs. Um, and uh, TJ Ford, you may have heard of that guy, had eight assists that day. And throwback, Chris Owens had an 18 and six stat line that day. Uh, always fun to think about those guys um, who you don't hear so much about anymore, but were, were certainly uh, certainly stars in their day. So it'll be it'll be the first time in you know almost two decades that Texas basketball is playing there. So hopefully they can uh, keep the win streak going again. We'll talk a little bit more about Chris Del Conte at the end of the show, but like seeing these types of matchups. Now, this has probably been in the works maybe even before CDC was around, but these are the types of things that Texas basketball needs to do. I need Texas football to continue to do the things that it's doing and, again, maybe schedule a team in College Station. I don't know. That's just a thing that I want to put out there. Uh, but it's but it's good to see Texas getting on the national stage like this. It's good to see Texas uh, getting out there and being a uh, – a national brand because that's what Texas is and that's what Texas should be. Agree completely. Uh, long live Del Conte. We are 39 days, count them, 39 away from kickoff. So we are uh, on the uh, latter half of our season preview series. We're in the last uh, four games, I guess the last uh, third of the season, if you are into math. And we are previewing the West Virginia Mountaineers today. And so we have the distinct pleasure of welcoming in Michael Miller of uh, the Smoking Musket. Michael, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me. Kind of an honor to do this. You may feel differently after... Uh, the the interview. <laughs> Nonetheless, I will isolate that audio clip to show my mom I've done something. <laughs> oh man! So so Michael and, and for the listeners, if this is your first one with us. Uh, the way this work, we're just going to have a conversation about uh, West Virginia. You know, you are you're the. Um, you're the man in charge over at uh, the Smoking Musket, managing editor. So you you know the Mountaineers better than any of our listeners or Kyle and myself can can even claim to. So we just want to know what the what the Mountaineers are going to look like this year. So let's let's start here where we start every week. It seems like except there's a different twist on it. So West Virginia is probably the only one of the two schools in the Big Twelve maybe that doesn't have a big old question mark at quarterback. Uh, Will Greer was the man last year, and he's going to be the man again this year now uh texas fans and west virginia fans probably remember that game a little bit differently than each other uh, and and that injury to will greer uh, he was having a great year heading into that that game 64 percent completions nearly 3500 yards 34 touchdowns only 12 interceptions guy was dealing it he'd have probably been the class of the big 12 if it wasn't for this guy named baker mayfield uh so how is how is his rehab going have we been able to see if there's any impact on his throwing like is he going to be reporting and ready to go for uh for fall camp well um, if you believe what you hear with the little information that leaks out of uh the west virginia athletic department like dana holgerson and the rest of that staff keep that on lockdown like it's fort knox <laughs> um and of course we didn't have our spring game so we nobody has seen will Greer throw um since his recovery if you believe what has leaked out he's good to go he's 100 percent. he's right back to where he was um that's going to be something we're just going to have to, I guess, see, you know, on September 1st, really. 
I, I want to back up for a second. You guys did did not have a spring game this year. We didn't. Um, the forecast called for snow, and it was like the end of April. Um, <laughs> okay. So, and Dana Holgers, it, it's pretty well known that he kind of despises the spring game, which I don't blame him because our spring games aren't anything like any of the, I guess, other major schools. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Texas outnumbers our spring game attendance by like thousands. Um <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, he jumped at that op- opportunity to uh, to cancel that game because we had a lot of injuries um, working up to through spring practice. We had a bunch of defensive linemen or defensive guys go down with injuries. So I I'm pretty sure he was just like chomping at the bit to cancel that game. And when he saw the forecast, he was like, "Yep, let's do it." Well, snow, snow forecast in April just confirms Gerald and my long-held opinion that uh, going to West Virginia is like playing uh, sports on the surface of Mars. It's entirely unpredictable, even it seems like for those who live there, but especially for if you have to travel in. Oh, it's getting like even more strange as the years go on. <laughs> like this is the first year I remember it. They, I think that we early May they we got like a an inch of snow or something. It was stupid. Wow. Like this isn't even possible. (laughs) (laughs) And then like two days later, it was like 80 degrees. I've got the shorts out of the attic. I'm ready for springtime and you're dumping snow on me. Thanks for (laughs) that. Exactly. So, so nobody's seen Will Greer. That's, uh, that's, that's going to be interesting going into, going into fall. Uh, but do you feel, do you at least feel confident that he's going to be, uh, ready to go September 1st? I, I do. Um, I think, Given the advancements in medical, you know, stuff these days, I think that injury is probably one that he can recover from pretty well. Um, I don't think it'll affect him too much, hopefully. (laughs) I I did just go back and Google it before this, and I had to immediately close that browser because it looked so nasty. Um, It was so gnarly. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I have never been more glad that my wife and child were not home when that injury happened. Because the dog went into another room. I screamed so loud when I saw it. It was just, uh, I'm, I'm glad everything is back where it needs to go. Uh, so sure. the the West Virginia passing game is is um, legendary, I guess, at this point is the best way to say it. Holgerson likes to sling, sling the ball around, whether it was as an OC or now as, as the head man at West Virginia. And a year ago, West Virginia was basically a, a catch from David Sills away from having like 3,000 yard receivers, which is just absolutely insane. Uh, now they lost Karun White, uh, but are returning again, the aforementioned Sills and, and Gary Jennings. Uh, and like I said, that offense likes to spread the ball around. So uh, who's going to be the next guy up to kind of fill that third slot and probably end up with 1,000 yards receiving uh, for the Mountaineers this year? Uh, that could probably be narrowed down to two guys. That's either going to be Marcus Sims, um, who played a good bit last year and the year before. Uh, he's kind of our, our speedster. Um, and then this year we've got TJ Simmons, who is a Alabama transfer. Um, and Those I know in his, good. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That always works out. Um, in, so in Alabama's spring game, 2017, before he transferred to us, he was, I believe like their leading receiver. He was, he was poised to make some noise there. Like, I don't know why he transferred, but, he did, so I'm pretty thankful for that. <laughs> you don't nice. need to ask why the blessings happen. You just let them happen. Uh, so, yep. so I mean, with if Greer's at 100, percent are we? Are, do you anticipate like just another just monster year from from those receivers? 
I think it kind of goes without saying. If he's at 100% and the offense is clicking, I, I don't know if we're going to get 3,000-yard receivers, but I, I think we could knock on the door for it again. Hey, I mean, that's three more three more games of Will Gear averaging 400 yards a game. That seems plausible to me. That guy is very, very good. Is it is it a foregone conclusion that if – your offense clicks like we think it should, that Will Greer is a shortlist Heisman guy. You're allowed to say it. Yes and no, <laughs> depending on – because that that all hinges on our defense and where we're at, sure. I guess, with our record. Um, because everything's going to come down those last four games of the season. Yep. Because uh, we have a, a great opportunity to start, you know, 7-1, 8-0. Um, and if we go into that and he makes some noise, then he's going to be right up there in the discussion – but if we go into those last four games and just lay an egg, uh, which we have been known to do when we hit our murderer's row, um, then that would probably just take him right out of the discussion sure. for it. So it's it all just depends on really our defense is going to decide that, I think. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a clear talking point that we have here is, is the defense was the Achilles heel for the Mountaineers last year. And I was looking at the stats and the thing that jumped out to me, I mean, it wasn't a great year and I don't need to go into the gory details of 445 yards a game and and 31 points a game but actually when Greer went out and maybe that's just a tougher opponent but the thing that jumped off the page was that the yards per play for the opponents actually went up and the points per game actually went up I think by about 10 and again tougher opponent sure sure but is that is he just that you know much of a linchpin to the team when the offense is firing the defense is better or I mean what is what does Tony Gibson's crew do to make sure that no matter what the defense is better this year well really I don't know because like I said earlier, our defense, it's very thin. Um, so we've got a really good starting 11. But after that, depth is a big issue. We've had a couple guys transfer off the defensive line. Um, our freshman All-American, he transferred to Washington State. Um, we had a guy just decide to be a grad transfer, and he apparently hasn't enrolled anywhere right now. So we've oh, taken wow. a lot of hits on that. We've oh, had wow. to bring in some transfers. We brought in a, a Clemson defensive lineman. Um, Jabril Robinson, I think. And then we got in Kenny Bigelow from USC. Uh, but mm-hmm. he's been plagued with mm-hmm. injuries up until now. So we don't even know how he's going to perform. Like We just got a bunch of question marks on our defense as you get down the depth chart. Um, and that's going to be the big thing. Besides that, uh, really, they just need to work on their tackling. I know at <laughs> Big 12 Media Days, <laughs> Drayvon Henry pointed this out. He was like, that's what we've been focusing on this whole time. We've been working on our tackling. Yeah. Um and then he said yeah. leadership, which is one of those intangibles, I guess. He said last year on the team, you just had guys kind of looking out for themselves. And that was one of the big things they've been working on this year, I guess, is to try to become more of a team and, I guess, look out for each other more than themselves this time around. And hopefully that okay. works out and okay. does something because, like I said, our defense is going to – it can either make or break us. As, as evidenced by by the Texas Longhorns this year, the defense can float a team that's struggling in another area. So on, on that defense, you guys kind of had, had a decent – uh, group of signees this year do you know guys like Dante Stills or, or Quantel Reigns factor into uh, the plan moving forward I know those guys were um, were big names and big pickups for West Virginia in, in this last recruiting cycle yeah I I definitely think they factor in I thought before even this new red shirt, shirt rule that came out um, I thought they definitely had a chance to break the two deep uh, because they they are very talented kids but now with this new redshirt rule um, where they can play four games and still keep their redshirt, 
I know Daniel Holgerson said basically he's treating the scout team and all the incoming freshmen as like a farm team right now. So I think he's gonna he's gonna be looking more at the scout team throughout the week. And if he sees something he likes, he's gonna call those guys up, you know, for the game that yeah. weekend. He's got them for four games this season. He's gonna use them. So I would definitely you can definitely say Dante Stills, uh, Quantel Reigns, they're definitely gonna play. Um, now how much I don't know. It could just be the four games, or they could find their way, you know. Eight out of twelve, or whatever. You you see those guys who come in as as a freshman, and you know you don't expect a ton out of them, and they see the bright lights and something switches. So I, that's again the beauty of that that new redshirt rule. Yeah, I I actually personally think that's going to be the most intriguing part of this season, like just this that subplot for every game, and it'll I think you'll see a separation of shrewd coaches versus coaches who just you know recruit well or go out and you know we're kind of old school and don't think of some of this i mean that's one of saban's greatest strengths is gray shirting and always finding the next loophole to exploit i think you know holgerson is he kind of gets the, the the mad genius uh, moniker but um it's underrated as just one of a, a brilliant brilliant coach in college football i think one of the you know i don't know if you iq we happen to have a mensa head coach but i think if you put him in a football contest that that that, that was completely a joke but holgerson is going to come out as is one of the smartest sharpest dudes uh in the country i mean is that is that how you think of think of coach holga i i kind of think so i thought that more so before he blocked us on twitter <laughs> which is a whole nother story that we're really not even sure why um but yeah he's definitely got he's I know coming in, he was labeled an offensive genius. And then some people have already kind of turned against him um, because we're not putting up 70 like we did on Clemson. Um, right. But I, I think it's still there. And the way you can kind of tell the way he's evolved as a head coach, because, you know, when he first came in, it was all about throwing it, you know, four verts every time. Yeah. Um, and then after that, he kind of evolved into using the running back a little more. Um, this year, apparently we're going to use a tight end. Like. <laughs> Wait, those exist? This is unheard of. This is uncharted <laughs> territory. Yeah. Big Big Twelve is going to be wild, man. Everyone's trying to innovate uh, within within the offensive side of the ball, so it's going to be interesting. You you mentioned running backs, though, and I think that is one thing that's a misconception of West Virginia football because y'all have had some quarterbacks and you've had some names, some great receivers over the years. Um, but uh, I mean, kind of, I don't know if it's quietly, but Holgerson has transitioned into a really uh, effective running game, and that was evidenced by by last year Justin Crawford um, now playing on Sundays after a, a pair of back to back thousand yard season so uh this you know year it looks like kennedy mccoy is probably the guy after putting up 600 last year and averaging uh about a nickel a carry uh is he the guy we're expecting to take the leap and do you expect there to be a, a big drop off from an nfl caliber uh talent leaving the program that i'm not sure um a couple of years ago we did kind of like a running back by committee thing uh where russell shell and wendell smallwood would kind of tag in and out um so i don't know if if mccoy is going to get that thousand yard mark because behind him he's got uh martel petaway who's played let's see we had to burn his red shirt two years ago at iowa state so he's a i guess he's a junior now um and then behind him is alex singfield who again through the leaks coming out of the program from whoever it comes from um apparently he's like amazing as a, a true freshman or a redshirt okay. freshman i believe um, so I don't know if it's going to be like the Kennedy McCoy show or if it's going to be kind of they tag in and out and just do like running back by committee. Um, mm -hmm. As far as NFL caliber, I don't I don't know if I see that in Kennedy McCoy or not. Um, definitely Martel Petaway, if he can get the spotlight, I, I think he could he could probably play on Sundays. 
Um, and then okay. Sinkfield, I'm not sure where he's at. We'll find that out soon enough, I guess. Justin Crawford's a cool story because th- didn't the coaches make him have to quit his like night shift manage it fast food job? Yeah, so they found him at let's see, not Eastern Mississippi. It was one of the one of the other schools, Northwest Mississippi, I think. It was on Last Chance U. They played against Eastern Mississippi, so they found him there and brought him in. Um, and the summer leading up, I guess he got a job because he had a, a wife and child. He got a job at Taco Bell. Nobody knew this until <laughs> one of the coaches went in and saw him working, and they're like, you "No way, you can't do this!" Like, we're like, we understand you you were trying to provide for your family, and that's awesome, but you, there's no way you can do this. So they kind of had to made him quit, make him quit that job. Um, but that just goes into like his work ethic was great sure. up until I guess the the bowl game, um, and I'm not sure what happened there, but he he did set the bowl game out. Um, I, I know he caught some flack from some of the teammates, which I, I had nothing wrong with. I saw nothing wrong with it. We were playing Utah in a game that really didn't mean anything. Yeah. And he was doing everything he could to get to the NFL. Don't risk the injury. Go ahead and make yourself some money. Sure. And playing without playing without a Will Greer, it's it's not as though the, the odds were super in your favor. Yeah. There is there is a limited number of carries on a running back, and and everyone counts, especially when you've got a family to support. I you you are talking to two guys who will never fault a player for making the uh, the business decision. If you're not playing for a natty, it's a glorified uh, exhibition game. That's my hot take of the week. Oh yeah, I <laughs> definitely agree, and I wish some of our fan base would understand that. <laughs> Unless we're playing like Pitt or Virginia Tech or something in a bowl game, it doesn't matter. Right. Like there's there's nothing unless it is for like a you know a spot in the playoffs or something. Just it's not worth it. Yeah. It's a, a glorified scrimmage. I, I I will say that one of my favorite memories is is watching because um, I had both a Clemson and a West Virginia coworker, believe it or not, um, and watching that next week after that bowl game, watching the the West Virginia coworker. I think she grew about six inches overnight and just strut around the office. So uh, th- I guess for the fans, it, it can matter for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, it was like that. The entire state was just suddenly we were giants just walking around. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody got six inches taller. So uh, kind of our last serious question of the day. So you know as as a guy who's got his finger to the pulse and knows what's going on uh, at least better than again our listeners and Kyle or I do what's what's like your one thing that you're watching for the Mountaineers this year like what's what's the one thing that you you're keeping a close eye on uh, as 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 the season approaches and and even that gets going oh god um well as the season approaches uh not so much actual team related but um I don't know if you've all had any run-ins with them but the Tennessee volunteer like their fans they are the worst fan base ever and i'm kind of afraid there's going to like a big brawl is going to erupt in charlotte on september 1st yeah um <laughs> like it, it, they're in a whole different world like they're i can't even describe them but uh as for the team um i guess storylines for the whole season is just going to be you know greer in the heisman race and mm-hmm. then how our defense is going to perform um, like I said, our offense, uh, we shouldn't lose a step on offense. Our defense is, like I said, just going to make or break us. Um, and hopefully they, they make us more than break us. <laughs> They're, uh, I think, I think your offense is going to, is going to be great. Um, there's one guy you didn't talk about. I was just curious. I don't want to jump too far back in the weeds, but I've always loved his name and I saw him on the preseason big 12, uh, list, your offensive lineman. I believe it's Yadni Kajust. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, you are. 
Okay, I mean, he's got a chance for an all-name team as well as an all-Big 12 team. Oh, yeah. So when Yadney <laughs> came in, he came from Miramar, which is where Geno Smith, Stedman Bailey, all those guys came in. And he was kind of the last guy out of that pipeline. And he was kind of, you know, flew under the radar. Um, I don't think he really played football like through high school until his last year. He was more of a basketball player. Um, so I think Holgerson kind of took a flyer on him, and it's really worked out. Uh, I, I believe Yadney almost went to the NFL. He almost declared for the draft last year. And Dana kind of pitched to me. He was like, hey, we got uh, Greer coming back. We got Sills coming back. He was like, we can make something here, right. but we need you. Um, and I think that pitch works. So hopefully we're going to find out how well that worked. Um, like I said, he's, he's great talent. Uh, he's set out, I think, there was one whole season he was out with a ACL injury. So mm-hmm. he is kind of injury prone, but hopefully he holds up um, and doesn't regret, you know, not jumping to the NFL. For sure. Doesn't get injured or something. For sure. We saw it, we saw it with Connor uh, Williams last year. You can still get drafted and still play on Sundays if you have the talent, for sure. So we have uh, – we have kind of the end of our serious piece here, and we have a thing we like to do with each of our uh, guests on the show. We like to play a little game, um, kind of catching you off guard here, and we like it that way. It's called Over, Under, or Appropriately Rated, and we will give you a series of topics, and you just give us whether you think they are overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated. Does that sound good? Yep, let's do it. All right. Gerald, I'll take the first one. Um, overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated, couch burning. Ah. Uh. That that's a little overrated now. Okay, it, it's just not organic anymore. I think it's kind of it, it's a forced <laughs> meme at this point. I got gotcha. you. Is it? I mean, can you can you tell how central is that? Like when you win a big game, is it just like oh we have to go burn couches, or is it like well obviously we're burning couches. We're West Virginia. I mean, from the outsider looking in, just a quick question: Is that like literally ingrained in the culture? <sighs> I think it's. Like I said, it's a forced meme at this point. I think it just happened kind of naturally. I don't. I really can't even tell you the backstory for it. I think it like goes back to the '70s when people started burning couches. Um, but you know, it hasn't happened in a while because Morgantown actually made like the citywide law that you can't even have a couch on your porch anymore. Like they will come by and like give, they will fine you if you have a couch on your porch. Um, it's insane. <laughs> and anybody caught a- anybody caught burning a couch is like automatic felony or something. It's I, I I love highly specific local uh, law enforcement you know laws. That's that's beautiful. The, the porch couch is ugh, wonderful. As someone who had a porch couch in college because my roommate was a smoker, I I <laughs> I feel uh, I feel a little uh, feel personally attacked by that. I don't know. It's weird. So this one is actually inspired by a uh, a listener Elijah Perez on Twitter. Uh, overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated? Uh, country roads take me home. Uh, that's, ooh. <laughs> I, I'm you can be honest here. It's uh, okay. That one's appropriately rated. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it, I'll go with appropriate on that one. Um, <laughs> it has got a nice little shout out on that, the new Fallout game. Did y'all see that? It did. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, that's, that's pretty fair. For our listeners who may not have seen it, and I'm not aware, what, what is the, what's the shout out on the new Fallout? So the new Fallout game, Fallout 76, actually is based basically in West Virginia. Like the entire map is West Virginia. Um, okay. I live I live in the southern part of the state, and the Greenbrier is like two miles from my house, which is you know a big resort has a golf course, has a PGA tournament. Uh huh. Um, so the Greenbrier is in the game. Oh wow! <laughs> like, 
uh, Morgantown is in the game. The stadium, uh, Woodburn Hall, which is like the kind of the iconic building um, on campus, it's in the game. Like the the actual building is in the game. There's like uh, so we have the PRT, like the the little train that runs around campus. Yeah, yeah. That's that's in the game. I guess there's a a train, a rail yard, or something. And I guess it's just PRT cars. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, they. So we're kind of going to do some stuff with that when that game comes out. Uh, Matt, the guy that runs our Twitter, he's he's a big uh, Fallout guy. So we'll see what we can get content out of that. That's awesome, man. (laughs) Um, To answer your question, in the commercial for that game, like the trailer, there's a there's a version of Country Roads that was I I don't even know who recorded it, Um, but as of like two weeks ago, it was like the number one song on iTunes. No way! Wow! All right, we're we're topical on this podcast. That's a nice change of pace. <laughs> um, I, I will give my personal anecdote. And I'll just say this quickly. I was in I was in Atlanta. Happened to be there for the kickoff game against Alabama, uh, West Virginia. Um, it, I guess the Chick Fil A kickoff classic four years ago, somewhere around that time. And uh, and yep, yep. And I was in the uh, the CNN little building there near where they were filming college game day and uh all all you hear roll tide roll tide you know just bama fans everywhere is annoying as you would imagine um and one guy i'm not kidding you wearing a coonskin cap a, a a golden dot and a sea of crimson stood up on top of a table and sang country roads and every person in the entire probably 200 300 people collected became silent and listened to this man belt out country roads and i had like a tear in my eye and i've never had more respect for any human than i did for that man at that time so i would agree it is it is you know very appropriately rated as one of the coolest and best college uh, traditions so i hope i hope forever it becomes a thing and shout out to uh, user uh, eli perez who tweeted about that he said he had a great experience singing that uh singing that with the uh the fans when they came to austin um, so I'll move on to the next one. I kind of am curious to hear your answer here. Um, overrated, underrated, or appropriately uh, appropriately rated, the quality of the education one can receive by attending university in the city of Pittsburgh. Oh, <laughs> that's overrated. <laughs> I don't even really need to get into that. That's overrated. Um, so We try to keep it clean, right? Yeah. Just letting you know. Yep. I won't get into the chant. <laughs> that was a leading question I'll admit <laughs> that was, so uh, this this last one that we'll do is uh, a man that's actually shared by both universities uh, overrated, underrated or appropriately rated uh, West Virginia alum, Texas alum and current XFL commissioner Oliver Luck overrated, underrated or appropriately rated uh, uh, I'm going to go underrated here because I think he's like I know, like, four-dimensional chess or whatever was, like, the big, you know, meme throughout uh, the election and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think Oliver Luck might be playing some 4D chess because who is <laughs> going to jump to the XFL? Like, you have a nice job with the NCAA, and you're going to jump to the XFL that not, might not even make it off, like, the runway. Right. Like, I think he's way ahead of us somewhere here. <laughs> Seriously. Very underrated yeah. guy. That guy's living in 2048, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so, man, thank you so much for for taking some time out. So, Michael, where can the where can our uh, listeners find you on the internet if they want some more uh, West Virginia content? Uh, you can follow us at on Twitter at Smoking Musket. Of course, we're smokingmusket.com. dot um, On Facebook, we're the Smoking Musket. You know. Uh, other than that, personally, you can follow me at 
West by God underscore. I don't know why you'd want to follow me on Twitter, but that's where I am. Um, <laughs> and other than that, don't tell yourself short. Yeah, uh, and I'll give a shout out to my Twitter guy, Matt Kirchner. He's M Kirchner 12. Uh, he's a great follow. If, if you're into like obscure, really anything obscure, like he knows all this, like I don't, Japanese anime stuff. He always links it somehow to college football. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I respect you that. You've just piqued Daryl's interest, who is a, a host of another podcast focused on nerd news. So listen, Skylar <laughs> Howard, or, you know, two quarterbacks ago, or a quarterback ago, or whatever, he ended up in Japan playing in the X-League. No, nobody's ever heard of the X-League. Um, okay. Yeah, but he, he was actually the MVP of, like, their spring tournament thing. Um, but somehow Matt linked this to, I guess there's a an anime called Shield 21 about a, a a kid over there playing American football and instantly he was like this is Sky Shield we're doing this I'm like what and that became a series <laughs> so we've been following Skylar Howard in Japan like it's insane that's, that's awesome, awesome. That's, that's fantastic well thank you so much for taking some time out man we won't take up any more of your evening man have a great uh, have a great rest of your week and thanks for uh, coming on hey anytime guys alright thanks man now it's the time of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in college sports, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? So, uh, I, I do want to bang the drum a little for um, kind of the whole situation, the whole shebang, if you will. Um, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. For the for the situation around um, Lil Jordan Humphrey's kind of poem, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard it. If not, you know, head over to the Burn Orange Nation site and you can see it posted there. Um, but uh, he basically he posted um, last week, I believe, or in the kind of lead up before that, um, a, a post from his class that was kind of his, what I thought aptly named Lil Letter to America um, from Lil Jordan Humphrey. And it did kind of talk about his thoughts and his feelings. And it, and it turned out after kind of the hoopla that it was an assignment for, for class. Um, but I still think the fact that he wrote it, uh, articulated and put it out there, it's, it's worth a read. So, so go, uh, do go and check that out. But basically he just kind of spoke on the state of being, you know, exactly who he is an African-American male in, in, in Texas, in the United States in 2018. Um, and, and with all the privileges and things afforded to him, just that the still struggles and internal anxieties and things he goes through. And it was really well-written and it was, um, a cool poem. And it's awesome to see again, the, the scholarly side of things celebrated. And so first congrats and kudos to, to him for doing that and putting himself out there. This became a national story. Um, and you know, that's always the risk you run. And, and there was about a thousand ways that that could have gone wrong and could have been handled poorly, especially in the immediate lead up to the the media days where it's like you get eight sound bites well besides Brecken Hager everything he says is a sound bite but you get eight pieces of content and you really have to milk them this could have just been a nightmarish storm um, but it wasn't and it wasn't because UT was so PR you know savvy and did everything right and you know had the, the perfect answer no th- this this was kind of squashed um, because good people looked at it for what it was spoke honestly and truthfully about the situation and, and just kind of close the chapter quietly and, and professionally. And uh, I just loved it. And I, and, and I said earlier in the show, you know, long live Del Conte. And I, and I mean it, um, Chris Del Conte handled this so beautifully. Um, he said, you know, you, you look at the music of the sixties and seventies, what it's about, you know, it's society and, 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 you know, what, what makes America great is all the walks of life where people come together and you respect people's opinions. And, you know, this is a kid saying, Hey, I'm feeling this way. He wrote it. And he said, he praised him for doing that. And Tom, Tom Herman came out and said the same thing that he, um, 
you know, he, he basically uh, supported him, was proud of him. You know, they, they both handled it like grown men looking at a young man who's who's expressing some things and saying, great. I mean, Gerald, you're, you're a dad. I'm not. But I hope my kid one day I can look at him and say, yeah, I mean, what are you feeling? It, be true to that. Be, be you know, to those to thine own self. Be true. Um, you know, be honest, be open, be real. And he did that. And I think they handled it just so unbelievably well. And I, I think it speaks. I just want to take a second to commend having an administration, and this goes all the way to, to President Fenvez. I knew President Powers very well. I've uh, worked with Fenvez a little bit, and, and we moved from one one dignified man to another, and I think Fenvez with Del Conte and with, you know, the, the staff around them and the coaches, what you know, they understand this program to be is exactly that. Like, I, we were talking before the show, it's not Del Conte, you know, doing everything right. He's on Twitter fielding questions. It's not a PR machine. He's just answering, honest, open that's a real thing y'all want? Great. I'll take that in consideration. I'll think about it. Let's see what we can do to do that. And that's real. That's That feels something to do that. He's going to make um, a transformation on this university that I'm really incredibly excited to see because he says all the right things, does all the right things, and genuinely just seems like the right guy. Um, so, I mean, major, major kudos to to everyone involved, to Lil Jordan, to, to Coach Herman, um, and, and absolutely, most importantly, to, uh, to Chris Del Conte. So um, bang the drum for all of them. You know, we live in we live in a society. We live in a world where people um, say young people don't care about stuff anymore. Uh, you know, I, I work with youth in, in some volunteer capacities, and uh, that always rubs me the wrong way. So, I, I regardless of whether you agree or disagree, it's just good to see um, you know young people that have thoughts, feelings, and opinions about things that actually matter. Um, and again, that's the beauty of the country we live in is that we can have this debate. We can have this conversation. Um, and again, right, wrong or, or indifferent, you know, it's, it's it's good that these conversations are happening because, you know, with the right mindset and the right attitudes and, and kind of an open heart and an open hand, uh, we can we can have good conversations about things that actually matter. Uh, so big ups to everybody involved. Uh, my my uh, my bang the drum is maybe a little less positive than, than that one. Um, so this was a this was a weird thing that happened on Twitter this week. So kind of out of, out of nowhere, uh, former Texas, uh, safety Deshaun Elliott, uh, kind of just went out on Twitter and, and I guess la- laid some accusations at the feet of the Texas coaching staff. Basically, uh, he, he tweeted that for, uh, other than a select group of coaches, uh, please don't talk about me. I think he said, keep my name out of your mouth. Um, he, you know, he he made made the the uh, the assertion that the coaches had bad mouthed him and other players that decided to leave early for uh, the NFL draft. And you know, uh, Co- uh, Connor Williams responded and and kind of in the positive, and he's heard some other things. You know, there's some more context, um, you know, given by you know, other sources. You know, that uh, Tom Herman was was uh, quoted as saying some negative things about players to NFL scouts. Um, you know, the the rumors that the Texas coaches used uh, some, I don't want to say negative recruiting, but negative uh, negative co- comments about these players that got as a rallying cry for uh, the players that were in the bowl game and are still on the team, um, which I, you know what, I... There's a lot to be said about not doing that. I think you don't throw guys under the bus. That's something I believe in. But again, we don't actually know what happened. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot of opinions, a lot of hurt feelings flying around. I think my my biggest opinion here is um, I'm gonna need grown people to act like grown people. 
Um, and that and that goes for for the alleged coaches saying bad things about their players. Like, you know what? If you're saying that because you're salty that a guy didn't play in the bowl game, um, don't do that. You're a grown man with a wife and children. Like, don't do that. That's not cool. Like, that's going to damage your reputation more than theirs. Uh, and for Deshaun, man, you're a professional now. You are a grown man with a paycheck and a big boy job, and you're walking into a locker room with guys that have mortgages and kids and families, and uh, they've been playing the game longer than you've been alive. So um, I think everybody in this situation just needs to conduct themselves like an adult. And I know that feelings get hurt, and when feelings get involved, uh, it's hard to keep a level head, but when push comes to shove, like let's keep our heads on straight. And that goes again for the coaches. Don't bad mouth players. That's not a good look. Like that's not going to win anybody over to you, which was honestly a, probably a problem for them a year ago. Cause Charlie strong had the loyalty of these players. And for any guys that are going out there, I, I just don't think social media is a place to air anything personal other than hey here's a cute thing my kid did today and honestly I try not to do too much of that either even though my kid is super stinking cute and does cute things all the time it's just just don't don't put your drama out there like it's just not a good look yeah I mean like you said he he has a close relationship with coach strong and I'll leave it at that and and you know he has every right to to be loyal to him I think it's unfortunate if you know you saw like a Brecken Hager give the story at the media days about um, coming to love Coach Herman and when he felt that and just that transition and, and ultimately loves the university and Tom Herman as its coach. Um, I hope, you know, this is a short lived thing and, and we see Herman and, and Deshaun hugging it out one day because, you know, like you said, it's growing pains. It's, it's uh, you know, we were 21 and 22 and luckily social media was fledgling. It existed, but we've had time to go back and scrub uh, our early uh, posts. Um, you know, these guys aren't so lucky. Um, these are young men trying to wildly to transition i mean i can't imagine the stress and the pressures and the things he's going under he probably envisioned himself being a much higher draft pick you know he's got a chip on his shoulder a thing to prove training camp just started he's really going into it the wards it's that you know probably just in a fragile mental state um so i get it i understand it deshaun learn from it move on coaching staff if there's a lesson to be learned here take that learn from it but i i hope what it does is the guys who are in that locker room now in some sense rally around it because it seems like everyone really felt like hey now, Herman's our coach. We don't feel any of that. And then, like we said, there's really not a lot of guys who aren't Herman guys left, you know, on the, on this team. Um, and everyone should be a Herman guy. But, you know, I, I hope that this is, is ultimately a rallying cry for them to, you know, bond this season. And, and we look back and like, how did we stick and get to 10 wins this year? Oh, it's that preseason bonding that they had uh, uh, both around rallying for the coach and also, you know, hating Yancey McKnight's uh, ridiculous workout. <laughs> hey, everybody can bond over a tough conditioning session. Uh, that is all we've got for you this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. Find me on uh, the gram. We'll, we'll go ahead and add that one today. Find me on the gram at Kyle Ryan Carpenter um, for all the uh, all the well-posed 15 takes of my uh, very authentic-looking casual uh, photos. So um, you'll like that and also my great Instagram stories, obviously. So, so hit me up on either of those. A lot of brunching from Kyle on the uh, on the gram there. A lot of brunching. Uh, mine are basically just pictures of my kid. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. You can follow the show on Twitter, Longhorn Pod. We're on Facebook, Longhorn Republic. Uh, the Longhorn Republic on Facebook, actually. We were able to get that. Uh, and you can choose an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. 
Hook 'em. Shout out to Norway. <laughs> <laughs>